You're listening to KXSF. This is Community Matters. Support for KXSF comes from The Strand Salon, located at 409 Locust Street in San Francisco's Laurel Heights neighborhood. The Strand is a full-service hair salon specializing in Aveda color and product, staffed by independent stylists who believe that independent radio is key to keeping San Francisco culture alive and thriving. Visit their website at thestrandsalon.com. Thanks for supporting San Francisco Community Radio. It takes a village to keep independent radio alive and well in San Francisco. That's why KXSF is looking for business underwriters to support our station. For a monthly or annual donation, you'll get rotating thank you spots heard on air 24-7 and a prime spot with website link on the KXSF homepage. Support the local arts community and get the word out about your business. Go online now to kxsf.fm slash underwriting. Okay, we are back here at KXSF, and it's, uh, so Community Matters is a show that we started doing pretty recently, and the idea is to give voice and more exposure to the many different organizations in the Bay Area, and sometimes elsewhere, that are doing great stuff, and and really helping out the community, the different communities that make up the Bay Area and the the community at large. So today I am really excited to have Marta Lindsay, the Communications Director for Walk at uh, SF with us. And it is an organization that works toward creating greater pedestrian safety in our city. And uh, Marta, let's just make sure your mic's working. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really nice to be here. Oh, great. Awesome. So can you tell our listeners uh, more about uh, Walk SF? Uh, I know it's been around for a while, but if you could maybe let everyone know why and uh, how it started. Sure. I think, you know, it starts with the fact that every day an average of three people are hit while walking in San Francisco. And it's been like that for a long time. And here we are in this city that's only seven by seven miles and should be just like the, so incredible for walking. And in some ways it is, but it's, it's incredibly dangerous. And so Walk San Francisco was started uh, 25 years ago next year. First, you know, just by a bunch of volunteers for a long time who just felt like this is not right. Our city should be doing better than this. And so I'm, you know, over time, the organization grew and uh, finally had a, a first staff person uh, probably 10 years in or something like that. And then in the last decade or so has really uh, become a stronger voice for everyone who walks and is pushing, pushing the city as hard as possible to prevent severe and fatal crashes on our streets and, and was a, a leading played a leading role in pushing the city to make this pledge, this vision zero policy pledge in 2014 uh, to shift approach and really um, commit to ending crashes. And so what is the vision zero pledge? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, and I shouldn't even say a pledge. It's more of an approach that a lot of European countries have, really embraced and it's it's a approach that says that traffic crashes are not inevitable which you know in the united states can really not <laughs> feel how people think about it and there's a, can be a lot of apathy around this issue which is part of our job is to change that um but that people make mistakes and you need to design the system 
to to minimize the ability of of people to make fatal mistakes, right? Um, you can kind of picture this if you think of a, a European city where the streets are just designed in this fundamentally different way that is uh, prioritizing the people on the street versus moving the traffic really quickly. And, um, and you know, we're seeing some of that in San Francisco, too, in these years since the, the city made this commitment. And it's, it's about, um, again, designing a system that reduces the likelihood and the severity of, of a crash happening. Um, and uh, I mean, you look at any other type of transportation, I mean, think about airplanes, you know, the, the systems can be designed to really reduce risk. And in the United States, that has really not been the approach when it comes to vehicles. So would you say that's true of every city? Uh, in our whole country. <laughs> well, okay, let me, let, me, let me rephrase the question. Are there any cities that you think are the exception that actually were, have been designed more with pedestrians in mind than just moving cars through quickly? That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, think I, th I think about actually Boston and Cambridge, which were the, a lot of their streets are just really, really small, and they feel very human scale, and I think uh, those were just built at a time before the car was king, right? And so I think you can find pockets of these in cities. I think d depending on how old a city is, it's more or less that way. You know, New York City has been really uh, aggressive with its Vision Zero commitment and efforts in the last decade as well. And, and you can start to see that when you go to parts of the city where you see the redesign of the streets. Um, and, you know, certainly we have examples of that in our city, too, of streets that are, have been really shifted and, and are much improved. And, and we have a whole neighborhood, the Tenderloin, that has made huge progress in how it's designed. It Now the entire neighborhood is 20 mile per hour speed limits. There's no right turn on red, which is a very dangerous move for pedestrians when you have uh, aggressive drivers taking a turn. There's many streets in that neighborhood that they have removed a lane um, and reduced the width of the lanes and then brought a lot of uh, changes around the intersection so that cars drivers naturally are going to go slower there's more visibility for pedestrians uh, there's so there's the tenderloin which has for way too long been basically a neighborhood with highways going through it is now really leading our city as, as much more of the model we need to move towards which is which is great we just need the whole city to move that way a yeah. whole lot faster. Yeah, it's interesting because like, I grew up in New York and there's no right on red. And then I moved to California and it's like there's not only right on red, but but you could also do left on red. And on like if if you're if the street that's going if you're going with the direction of traffic, you could turn left on red in the streets too. And I thought, okay, this is really cool. And I guess in in you know yeah, in some ways if you, if you're thinking just about the flow of traffic, but then there is the other side to it, which is the danger to pedestrians and, and bike riders too and skateboarders and anyone yeah. who's moving around and not in a car right you're not surrounded by a three thousand pound metal box yeah yeah so and that's our city that's the city we want to be i mean we want to be a walking city right i mean this everybody walks here and um it just it's we just had a world day of remembrance for road traffic victims at city hall um a couple weekends ago and this is an event 
well, the name says it all, but this brings together people who've lost loved ones, had loved ones severely injured, or have been severely injured themselves. And you hear these stories from our own streets in San Francisco, and it's just crushing. And and again, I think that's that shifting the narrative by not just making this about numbers. Oh, this many people are hit, or you know, this these are these are our neighbors these you know i'm you may have heard paul madonna right now is uh recovering from a horrific crash um one of our city's treasures our artist um is the, this is our city and it's just it's heartbreaking yeah so. yeah it is and it's not only just cars there are buses too i remember of of you know a few years back that a bus killed someone on 18th street like at 18th and hartford there was a woman who was killed by a bus. Uh, so it isn't just, it's not just the private person in the vehicle, but it's also people who operate public transportation. Yeah, and they, I mean, those are very rare, but also important. I mean, I think our, our muni drivers are by and large very, very safe, and those incidents are really rare. But you know what? Our city employees as a whole are not safe in terms of, of driving, and there was a um, the most recent report that looks at the telematics, these black boxes that are installed in every city vehicle, um, shows that city employees continue to drive really, really dangerously fast, thousands and thousands of, of incidences like, every month. I mean, it's, um, you kind of, this, this issue is so challenging because there's so many layers to it and how, what's contributing to this overall problem and that is one of them i mean who's setting the tone on our streets city city employees are one of those i mean i look at uber and lyfts and the aggressive driving that can happen with uh some of those drivers who are racing off to get another passenger or get another ride in by a certain deadline to get a bonus from the company you know and um i mean i think most people feel like things have really shifted on our streets in the last, you know, five years. And then COVID made it even worse. Yeah. Um, and that's true nationally where everyone started driving faster. The roads opened up and people just took liberties and they have not brought those speeds back down. And those that's the number one cause of severe and fatal crashes in our city. So speed. I didn't realize that with COVID, the speed limits uh, were raised. Because what, what I saw oh, happening... speeds. Just oh, how speeds. fast people, oh, fast drivers are going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I kind of noticed the opposite in that so many streets, like, just became, were closed down to pedestrians. Or during certain times, they were closed to pedestrians, like Page Street, for instance. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, but know, some of the, yeah. the slow streets, uh, that was, yeah. So during COVID, we had the city try some... Uh, really exciting stuff, which was, you know, add 40 plus miles of these low traffic, low speed streets all around the city. So, you know, there are streets where you can go and feel a lot safer and you are a lot safer and drivers are going a lot slower. Um, but that's the that's not what was happening everywhere else, um, which is that everyone started driving faster during COVID. Wow. Everywhere in the whole country. I wonder why, because it's not like people had as much of a place to go. It's one thing like, yeah, I've got to get to work. I have a dinner to go to. But like restaurants were closed. People were working from their homes. So I, I wonder what explains that, as, especially I, the freeway is one thing, but especially if you're driving around in a city. Yeah. I think, again, uh, an upside to congestion is people can't get going that fast, right? And when there's less of that, people take liberties and, and seem to have forgotten the 
fragile human beings on our streets, which I, I just was thinking of uh, Elizabeth, who I feel yeah. like we want to talk about today. Yeah, I was, I was going to bring that up because, yeah, it, I think it was like New Year's Eve of, I believe it was like 2019 to 2020, um, Elizabeth Platt was one of two people killed in a hit-and-run crash on second admission. Um, and I didn't know her. That was before my time here. Uh, the person, uh, Troy Ramon McAllister, was eventually arrested, and it turned out he was on parole. And, you know, he hadn't caused a car accident before. I think that he might have been involved in, like, you know, car theft. But I do wonder if, let's say, people who have been, who have caused car crashes uh, where somebody's been killed or or somebody has been injured, or even if, some, if a, someone hasn't been injured, but where there's the potential for that, you know, if there should be some sort of, a, you know, like suspension or um, forced, uh, like, say, you know, safety training. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, there have been times in my life where I feel like I, I don't actually don't have a car anymore, which I'm kind of happy about. Um, I just feel like it was a big responsibility. But I think, yeah, there were times in my life where, I'm sure I didn't drive as safely as I should have. And I think that is, I think that's true of a lot of young people. Uh, you know, especially when you're younger, you get a car and there's sort of the endorphins you get from going fast and you're listening to music and you get distracted. And I, we have to renew our, li our driver's license, but maybe with reviewing, having a driver's license renewal, there should also be safety training that comes up periodically. Yeah, and this kind of goes to just, again, if, if Walk San Francisco could wave a magic wand and change one thing in San Francisco, it would be speeds. Because if everyone went slower, crashes would go down. Crashes that happen would be less severe. It's this one driving behavior that is connected to, to so many other things. I mean, the faster you're going, the slower your reaction time is. The slower your scope of vision is. Uh, it's, it's so... I... I I hope that as the city pursues reducing crashes, there there does need to be an education uh, aspect as part of that because I don't think people understand that the difference between 25 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour to 35 miles an hour is actually incredibly dangerous, and people are feel like they can do that, you know. Yeah. Well, um, how you know? how so is that? Because like, for instance, a lot of us you, you you drive somewhere and it will say like 25 mile an hour speed limit, and then we might think, oh, it's okay to go 30. Or it's okay to go 35. Right, right. So so what is the difference between going 25 miles an hour and going 35 miles an hour? So let's say I'm walking down the street and a driver hits me at 25 miles an hour. I am very likely to to survive. A 75% chance that I will have I won't have severe or fatal injuries. By 40 miles an hour, that flips. 75% of 75% chance of me having you know, life-threatening or fatal injuries. And this is based on the best research out there that is old. It is not taking into account how much larger vehicles are now. Um, and so it's probably worse than that. So, again, by 40 miles per hour, you're hit by a vehicle, and especially if it's a larger vehicle, it's very unlikely you're going to make it out, you know. And I, thought, I think people would be like, 40 miles an hour? That's not even that fast, right? But – you know, the human body. We're fragile. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, in a city like ours where, honestly, you driving 35 miles an hour versus 35 or 25 versus 30, this is going to make very little difference in 
how long it takes you to get from here to there, right? Seven, again, seven, seven by seven mile city. And I think one minute of slowing down a driver by one minute on their trip is worth it for somebody's life, right? And again, if the whole tone of our streets came down in terms of how fast everyone's going and we're taking care of each other on the roads, you know, it just doesn't feel like that right now. It feels pretty terrifying. Yeah, well, I think that it, now that we're sort of out of like the height of the pandemic and there are a lot more people on the road again, you know, than there were a couple of years ago. And another thing that's changed is that we have parklets on the street. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, wonder, especially, I've, I've thought about this even more in New York, where there were like parklets on like these major streets, you know, you, you would see on whatever, Broadway or 7th Avenue. And if someone, it doesn't even have to be going that fast, which is something that happens where they just steer right into the parklet and there are people dining there. It seems like that could that's just the makings for a really tragic accident. I know, I know that there have been some incidences. Uh, I don't know of anything that that's happened where like scores of people have been killed or, or injured, but you know, there's always the first time. Yeah. I mean, here's right. You, there's kind of two sides of this story. First of all, parklets are helping slow traffic mm-hmm. because it makes the street feel smaller and more crowded. And this is more powerful than any speed limit is how the street feels to a driver. And so we did a bunch of speed surveys this year and just saw how how much of a difference a four and five lane road people just get flying versus, you know, one to two, you know, two lane roads, drivers are naturally gonna go a lot slower. You have some parklets there. That's actually great because again, they're they're gonna feel like the street is smaller, they're gonna be more careful and they're naturally gonna drive slower. So I think that's uh, and obviously parklets are great for lots of other reasons that are good for our city. But um, in terms of the risk, you're right. You're right there. I mean, I've sat on one on Divisadero, and it was like, whoa, like cars are flying by like three feet away from me uh, enjoying my drink. It was a little bit, um, you know, you have those moments. However, we know people are also getting hit on the sidewalk even in our city. So it's sort of like the driving that is leading to those kinds of crashes that are going into a parklet or jumping onto the sidewalk are, you know, somebody's going really fast and are, is way out of line. Um, and so again, if speeds are lower, let's say someone's for some reason does hit a parklet, hopefully again, it's, it's not severe. It still could be very serious and, and, and we don't want any, any of the, any of these crashes to be happening, obviously, but yeah, interesting to think about, different streets, different street designs, and how they're um, shaping that driver behavior and keeping people protected. You know, the, the, yeah. the most people who die as pedestrians in our city are crossing the street and have the right to walk. The vast, vast, vast majority. You know, people like to pedestrian blame, and that is just not, if you look at all the crash information, that's not what's happening here. The most dangerous thing for a pedestrian in San Francisco is someone making a left turn because it's just this notoriously... Uh, even more than right hand uh, turns by a driver, a left hand turn, a driver can make it faster. They, it creates like a blind spot for them. Um, they're often looking other directions than seeing somebody crossing from, from the side there into the intersection. So a couple years ago, I think it was more than half of the pedestrian fatalities were just that situation, a left turn. And this is where there's an engineering solution. New York City pioneered this where they put 
either uh, rubber bumpers or posts strategically in an intersection that force a driver to have to navigate those to slow that turn to make it a sharp 90 degree turn and that whole th movement um, changes the dynamic of the intersection in New York it, it cut uh, crashes in half at intersections that have this what's called left turn calming and we've been pushing and pushing the city to do more of this and they've you know they've piloted it a couple years ago on like seven intersections and just pushing on them to expand this to many many more places because it's going to take a lot of different layers to address all the different ways that are contributing to the unsafe streets but that's a, a really good example of where dangerous driving behavior there are solutions that you can bake into the street they work 24 hours a day you know and they are proven to reduce the chance of a crash happening so well, so, so what's the holdup here? I mean, this, this is why San Francisco exists, right? Is to push the city to do more and do it faster. And, you know, you could look at any city issue and be like, why are they doing it faster and, and more places and better? Um, and so that's, that's what we push on every day. And we, we, you know, really try to also lift up the voices of those people who've been direct, directly affected by a crash. Because sometimes those stories do make the difference in, in elected officials getting getting that you know energy behind them and and uh and pushing things to happen happen faster squeaky wheel situation you know uh it was encouraging to see uh measure j pass by 63 percent which right. uh, protects the car free space in golden gate park and it, it passed in every district in our city which to me was like a real hello supervisors everyone you know you know don't listen to just the people who are cranky about driving you know, not being able to park somewhere or whatever, you know, our city wants to be different. And the majority of voters are looking to, for our city to actually lead on these issues in terms of pedestrian spaces and safety. So that felt felt really, really affirming and, and has gives me a lot of hope for what the city can can do with because they have the public support. I really think they do. Well, right. The, the public supports it and supports these measures. But then is like some of the what like what you're talking about, like what New York's done with these rubber bumpers. I suspect that's something that we require having to get through a lot more bureaucratic red tape and the politics of the city, too. Um, and, you know, I don't know what that is, but. And I don't know what the, I mean, let me ask you, what, what are the traffic death numbers in San Francisco? What have they been for, been for the last few years? This year, there have been 30 uh, traffic fatalities so far. And um, that's pretty consistent with the past eight years or so, which is when the city committed to Vision Zero. You know, it's fluctuated a little bit. I think the, the equally important number to look at is the number of severe injuries. Because you imagine someone who is, uh, severely injured in a crash, you know, whether they make it or not is, you know, probably anybody's guess, right? And so that number has not changed either. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, somewhere in the five to 600 range every uh, year. Yeah. And so that's where you're like, yeah, everybody, you know, every, I think it's every 16 hours, somebody's going to San Francisco General from a traffic crash. I mean, that's wow. a lot. Um, and so that's, that's the number two to pay attention to. And uh, what we need to see coming down. So yeah, well, I so said that that's a this is an issue that is very near and dear to our hearts here uh, at KXSF as we lost one of Elizabeth Platt, who was one of our beloved DJ volunteers a few years ago to a, a, a traffic accident, and so I know that it's 
it's an issue that that we really care about, but it's an issue I think yeah, everyone should care about because yeah, this is a walking city. Like it's so nice. I was in Los Angeles earlier in the month, and it's like it's not a walking city. You know, <laughs> not, and, not which, <laughs> and I mean that by design is not a walking yeah. city too, yeah. right? I mean that's that's like that is like purely by design, which is a shame because there actually is a lot of like really like scenic beauty in Los Angeles, but it's just yeah. like you know it, it is what it is, and. And then you come to like San Francisco, and it's a place where you can walk. Or like I walk everywhere. You know, I love that I don't feel like I, I need a car here. Yeah. And it it would I think I I wish more people wouldn't have a car. I like of where I live, my neighbors, some of them have cars and some of them don't. And a lot of people just walk anywhere. They have neighbors who they walk to work. You know, even if it's a couple of miles, they walk to work, they walk back, and it's. It really is just a pleasure to have this, you know, to be living in a place like this. I, I think it makes such a difference in, in terms of having like a feeling of community. Absolutely. You know, when you oh, walk, yeah. like when I walk down the street and I see people, especially if we make eye contact, always say hello. I know I've been away from New York long enough where I've gotten <laughs> that out of my system where, you know, you share an elevator with someone, you don't even say hello. Like, yeah. This is San Francisco. We say hello, right? Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it is that nice feeling that we have and... I, I can't say I walk around the city and live in fear that I'm going to be you know, hit by a car, but it, it is something that does happen, and it's it it's something that we really need to be conscious of. We need to take a quick break, but I do want to uh, touch back on this theme again in, in just a moment. For those of you tuning in, you're listening to KXSF LP San Francisco. This is Community Matters. I am Pamela Louie, and my guest is Marta Lindsay, who is the Communications Director for Walk SF. Drawing from his life work, absorbing the vast terrain of all recorded music, each week, Gage Kennedy expertly curates bespoke programs which lean rock but reveal connections between genres, eras, continents, and cultures. Plus, he always includes long sections that sound like an old motor sputtering or ominous, crackly, metallic static. It's off the hook. Fridays, 1 to 4 on KXSF LP 102.5. So uh, this Friday, I actually am going to be filling in for a bit uh, for uh, Off the Hook. I'll be doing it from, I guess, 1 to 3.30, and then Brendan from King of Prussia is going to be coming in and uh, taking over the rest of it, <clears throat> moving into Flappy Spot as well. So it's a great show. I am just subbing in. I'm not the real thing, but if you get a chance to listen in this uh, Friday afternoon, you will get a chance to hear Pamela Louie again. So uh, let's continue this discussion that we were having. Uh, this Marta Lindsay, who is the communications director from Walk SF, is here in the studio with me, and we're having a conversation about pedestrian safety. So how much of the response – I won't say the responsibility because pedestrians always have the right of way. But what can pedestrians do to, have, to also create a safer environment on our streets? Because, like, everyone's on their phone. You know, people walk across the street looking on their phone. And I think this is another thing with drivers. Like, yes, I, I, you know, when you say that speed is the number one problem, I'm, I don't disagree with you. But I also think how many people still text when they drive. Oh, how right. you distracted know, driving. Yeah, distracted real. driving. That's right. It's illegal, issue. but people still do it. You know, how many people are 
uh, you know, something comes in, somebody calls, or they might not be texting, but all of a sudden they'll see a text come in, they, their eyes move for one second, and then boom. Right. So I think there's, there's the, I guess I have a, two questions here. One is the, the fact that uh, both pedestrians and drivers have their attention being distracted, largely because of our phones. Uh, and then also the extent that, as pedestrians, what we can do also to try to ensure our safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, the distracted driving thing, I think the reason it's not talked about more yet is just because it's so hard for uh, that to get, um, it's hard for them to prove that, you know? Uh, however, there's places like Australia that have cameras now, enforcement cameras that see where your eyes are when you go by and they ticket you if your eyes, like, there are ways to prove this. And I think already it's being talked about as equal, if not worse, as impaired driving. Um, and I, I know uh, we, we will be talking about it more. It's a really, really serious issue. Um, at this point, speed is still, uh, speed and distracted driving are also related, right? If you're distracted, you're probably gonna speed because you're not even paying attention to your speed. Or, um, so that is real and uh, yeah. And in terms of pedestrians doing something, they should get involved with Walk SF as an advocate because here's the also the facts like people are not getting hit because they're on their phones. This is half the pedestrians killed every year in our city are seniors. Do you think they're on their phone walking mm. across the street? Uh, yes, people walk with the, you know look at their phones sometimes while walking, but most people are still um, walking with caution. You know, and I and none of the data backs this up. I think this is like a pedestrian blaming bogus uh thing that distracts from the real issues and so this is such a common like you should be wearing a like glow you know glowing vest and (laughs) no this is a city of seven by seven miles you should be able to walk without free you know again yeah no don't walk across the street while not paying any attention whether you have your phone or not obviously especially because it is risky here and you know, I her, part of the reason I got so involved in this work is having kids in this city, and I'd be pushing a stroller. And I was walking with, like, the most defensively a person can walk, and I would still have close calls. I would have people fly around a corner as we're stepping to the intersection. And, it you know, it just takes the one situation that um, can change your life forever. And so uh, it just feel like a blind person should be able to walk across the street they're certainly not on their phone right (laughs) so a a child should be able to walk across the street they're not on their phone they're just shorter you might not see them as well that's where i think this model this vision zero model and a more european approach is like where's the priority on our streets is it towards keeping people safe is it gonna have are we gonna design the street so that that is the priority or is the priority moving traffic quickly and we still have so many streets in our city that are like five lanes one way um you know there was this horrible crash uh near sherman elementary where an educator was crossing the street to go to school and was hit and you look at the street that is running next to a school and it is again one way on a hill many many lanes people are flying down that and that's that's the issue way more than someone looking at their phone while walking is so um I just yeah. So if if you're a pedestrian and this is speaking to you and you're over it, get involved with Walk San Francisco because again, if all of us are speaking up to our 
elected officials and our city leaders and pushing together, they can't escape this. They can't not make things move faster. They can't not fix the dangerous streets faster. They can't not address the speed issue faster and bring 20 mile per hour speed limits to way more places way faster and put left turn calming on every possible intersection and a million other things that I could talk about. But um, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> so how, if somebody wants to get involved in Walk SF, how, where should they go? Head to our that? website, sign up for the newsletter, start to see what we're up to. You know, next year, come to World Day of Remembrance for road traffic victims and stand in solidarity with the people who have been impacted by this the most. Uh, speak at a, a public hearing. I mean, there's we have lots of opportunities all the time. And I just have seen just in the last couple of years, as as this movement grows for people who believe we, sh- we should have safe streets, it's it is changing and things are moving faster and the city is stepping up too. I don't want to just be like, you know, beat up on the city. If they hadn't made this court, you know, this commitment eight years ago and have done what they have done since, I shudder to think where we would be right now in terms of uh, severe and fatal crashes, because we've had a lot of extra difficult things happening in the last eight years, including a massive increase in traffic pre COVID. I mean, we, flash back to what the city was like and especially with uber and lyft bringing i mean it was like what percentage of additional traffic every day i mean as we know there were tens of thousands of vehicles more on the streets every day so you had way more traffic you had um again larger vehicles more powerful vehicles more distracted driving more impaired driving uh all these additional threats coming at us as pedestrians and so I am grateful for the work the city has done in the years since then. It's just, again, we got it's got to happen faster. And, and it, we need the, you know, if a street's being redesigned, max it out with what's possible for protecting people. Because I think sometimes, you know, things can get watered down in our city because cranky drivers or whatever, you know, again, we, we're so, bi- our systems are so biased <coughs> towards always moving traffic faster. And again, that just can't be how our city is. It doesn't even make sense here. And it's okay. Like, we're all going to be okay if everyone drives a little slower. And, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I mean, right. What's the worst thing that ha- could happen if you're a few minutes late? You know, now, now that we do have cell phones, and not that I'm saying we should, like, pull out our cell phones while we're driving, but you could always pull over and say, hey, I'm running five minutes late. Yeah, there's just no, I mean, yeah. I just, it's just craziness. But yeah. it's the what we call, like, the, the windshield mentality of just you're, driving your vehicle and you feel powerful and you're used to just going wherever you want however you want to you know there's 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 a privilege that comes with driving a vehicle that can change how people think about things and uh i own a car i don't drive that much in the city but and i'm not and i'm not looking to beat up on people who drive cars but again it's like what's our system supporting and and it needs to support safety above all else yeah well, there's but in addition to cars, there are a lot of bikes in the city. And while cyclists are, are often the victims of crashes, they also cause crashes. You know, my mom was in New York was in a very severe accident where she was hit by a, a bicycle, uh, and her hip was shattered in six places. She's lucky she can walk now. Mm. And there are people who are killed by cyclists. So, what does Walk SF do on the the front of trying to, uh, to create uh, more pedestrian safety? from cyclists as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, uh, 
I mean, we want everybody on the roads to be behaving safely, whether you're walking or you're biking or you're scooting or you're driving. I mean, the scooter issue is also right. one I get a lot of emails about. And that's real, too. I mean, you see them on the sidewalks is why this, you know, pedestrians are rightly concerned about this, because if you have a scooter going 20 miles an hour on a sidewalk and those they're heavy, too. I mean, it's that's also dangerous. Um, you know, I think if our city is again, the streets are designed with uh, more bike lanes. So bike lanes have their place, right? And scooters have their place and they feel safe and that's where they are. That's separate from the pedestrians, you know. Um, and our intersections are designed to have more protection for pedestrians as well. A lot of the design can solve a lot of these things, just like with driving, right? We're, we're just trying to shape the most people's behavior most of the time. And as we know, there's bad, bad apples in any group of people. There's always those really, there's, you know, I also ride a bike. There are bicyclists, there's that small segment that's like really aggressive. Mm -hmm. And that's, and, yeah, you know. And there are those cyclists who drive, who ride the wrong way down one way streets and et cetera. And so, and the other th side to it is that cyclists are often the victims of crashes. And you have a lot of drivers who are just like, and uh, who have a very uh, hostile attitude towards cyclists. Right, right. And I think that's where we, we all need to, like, <laughs> get it together and, like, be – we're all on the same team here. Um, but I do think, again, when everyone has their spaces on the streets, when everything's clearer, like, what your role is, what you're supposed to be doing, a lot of that can, can get taken care of. But that doesn't mean we don't have to, again, like, talk about education and enforcement, too, with just uh, – having folks get get a get a clue about what what the safe behavior is because um again i want i want san francisco to be this place where people come to from all over the u.s and they're like oh my gosh they've got it figured out there it's like the great like why would you drive a car there because it's like the transit's amazing you can walk everywhere and it's so safe and it's so lovely and uh they're they've really got it figured out and now the rest of the country can follow that lead which they desperately need to. I mean, this, the national traffic fatality rates are at historic highs. Like this is a this is happening everywhere. Everyone is facing these. Every city is struggling with this. And I would love for our city to be the one that's like, yeah, we we figured this out. We prioritize people and safety, and come check it out because it's it's so awesome. Um, I think we could be that again. A lot of things are going to have to happen to get us there, but. Um, but it is possible because again, there are cities like Oslo and Helsinki who have had that have had years with zero traffic fatalities, and they are not that different. I mean, you know, we're not that big. Again, keep saying seven by seven miles, but you're just, it just feels like there's so much possible for for our city to do with this. Yeah. So, what are the challenges to creating safer streets in lower income areas? I mean, lower in these are like inseparable issues. So, so many parts of our city that have the highest number of designated high injury streets because the crash rates are that high are in the low income parts of our city. We're talking Soma, Tenderloin, Bayview, and they need the most attention for sure. And, the, and this is where like seeing what's finally happened in the Tenderloin is so inspiring, needed, overdue. You know, this was a lot of different uh, Tenderloin-based groups, advocacy groups like Walk SF, neighbors who are, like, pushing, pushing, again, pushing the city to really do a lot there. That's, that's a neighborhood where most people don't even own a car, obviously. 
yet they're the you know they've got so much traffic flying through there not respectful of the families that live there and so anyway um i think reducing severe and fatal crashes in san francisco absolutely starts with these parts of the city that have got they've got to have the most investment in in safe street solutions so um it's working in the tenderloin it's really great to see speeds are coming down and crash rates are coming down and and this is this is this is where it starts this this is what we got to build on as a city so but why do you think that it's these areas like the tenderloin uh the bayview the selma that where there are the most traffic accidents i mean it's funny that there was a uh harvey milk uh video that circulated in the last couple months that had him talking about south of market and how he's like i just wish we'd get rid of all the cars down there right i mean it's a part of the city where you have um so many freeway entrances and exits and again this concentration of these one-way multi-lane roads that are where we see the worst speeds in the city um and you have more low-income people living and probably moved to those places because they were cheaper because traffic dominated there right so it this all is like intertwined um but uh again when you have like the folks that are least likely to even own a car in our city who are having to bear the brunt of a traffic, you know, the a car focused ro- road system in our city. It's just it's so unfair. Yeah. Well, I you know, the, I think that it's sometimes hard to tease apart the various issues. Like there's the issue with pedestrian safety and then the income inequality and how people who live in lower income areas are more likely to be involved in a traffic accident uh or at least if you these are the areas where they happen more and i would assume that it's you know probably a greater percentage of people who live there than not uh and then there's also another issue which is the amount of unhoused people in this city Mm, too that's true and where uh often if you you see sidewalks where you can't even walk on the sidewalks because of, of encampments so people walk on streets yeah too that's a dangerous combo right yeah so i, I yeah. think that like you you were saying before that there you see cities like helsinki and oslo and they who that have been able to really address it and make significant inroads san francisco has specific problems that you may not also encounter in some of these other cities and and how can you say you're just going to address one thing without necessarily addressing the other thing too and right. that, i think that's what makes it more difficult too for sure and i think that's where you know i i give a lot of props to everyone who is you know working for an agency or holds office in our city because these problems are really complicated and are not you know and and i i get that um but of course that doesn't mean we we don't try but uh that's where you know with with the traffic safety stuff because there are so many proven engineering solutions there are ways we can really get traction here. And yes, there's other layers. It's all complicated. But um, I still think there's there's just so much potential for San Francisco to, to lead on this issue. And I think about what you were talking about before the break, and you're like, that it's a defining feature of our city to go take a walk and be part of your neighborhood or explore a new neighborhood. It's the heartbeat of our city. Like anybody who comes here and doesn't walk, take a walk, Ride a, you know, ride transit, 
every once in a while at least, you know, like, how do you even know our city? You're not even like, you don't even get it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can feel that way, but it's like, go, go to LA and like, how do you experience LA? But to, if, you're, if you're like a true San Franciscan or truly love this city, there's no way you can connect with it without getting out and being part of it. And that's not behind a windshield of a vehicle. Unless it's the bus. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, we need to take another quick break. You're listening to KXSF LP San Francisco. This is Community Matters, and we'll be right back. Generous support of KXSF San Francisco Community Radio comes from Charles Neal Selections. Since 1998, San Francisco-based Charles Neal Selections has been an importer and distributor of fine wines and spirits for wholesalers, retail stores, and restaurants across 17 states. Learn more about Charles Neal's focus on imports from family-owned operations throughout France by visiting the website at charlesnealselections.com. Thanks for your support. You're listening to Community Matters, which is a fairly new show for us here on KXSF LP San Francisco. And I'm Pamela Louie. Next week, I will be in conversation with Jess Farber from the Immigration Center uh, for Women and Children. This week, uh, I'm with Marta Lindsay, who is the Communications Director for Walk SF, and we're discussing pedestrian safety and how San Francisco is such a fantastic city to walk around in and how our streets should be a lot safer than they are. I remember when I, before I moved here, and of course, like I came here in the summer, didn't realize how cold it was going to be. But I was like walking around everywhere. I remember walking, going from the Hate, walking all the way down, and walking up to Noe Valley. And yes, there were the hills, and yeah, that was a little bit different coming from Manhattan, where <laughs> everything was pretty flat. But then I would stop somewhere, and I was just like, "Wow, this is beautiful." And like, especially during like the when we were like in lockdown a lot like a lot of people my exercise was getting out and going on walks and I went I went on walks from like my place in the mission all the way up to like Glen Park and found parts of the city that like parks that I didn't know existed in and just you know these wonderful vistas and yeah it's it is this amazing beautiful city and the other side to walking around is is having a sense of community so it's, it sounds like there's a project uh, that you're involved in now, People Show Streets, or is it People Slow Streets? Oh, People Slow Streets. People Slow Streets, excuse me. I think I made a typo there. Uh, <laughs> that is really about promoting uh, you know, p- promoting not just pedestrian safety. It is, promote, it is about promoting pedestrian safety, but also a walking culture here in, in the city. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, there's a... a, a, a... I'm looking at the time. I'm like, we, how much time do we have left here to talk we, about? We have, we have about eight minutes left. It kind of goes to this question of how do you make walking the preferred trip for more people more of the time, right? And again, some people own cars, whatever. Uh, but we should be a city where it's like, oh, my default, if I can do it, is probably to walk there, right? Uh, this is a city where that should be possible. And... Um, I'm thinking about Paris. Ha- Paris has been kind of rocking it lately with uh, dramatically reducing speed limits everywhere. And they have this whole idea of the 15-minute city where they want everyone to be able to, within 15 minutes of walking from where they're home, be able to meet all of their needs, right? Groceries, health care, you know, 
get get what you need and you could be able to do that within 15 minutes of where you live and i think san francisco should be that city right, right? well it's the idea of having a city having a city being like a little village and the way that like neighborhoods you know, have have always been like that like it's that's true in new york that's that's true here where you had in your yeah, within your area, there was like you had the hardware store, you had the, right. the grocery store, because you had the wine shop, which is what I'm interested in. Uh, <laughs> and but yeah, you had like the different things, you know, the that you needed, so you didn't really have to go anywhere. And now, good like if you need to get your shoes fixed, I think how many they're probably like. Yeah, where do you go to get your shoes fixed? There are probably like five places in the city at, oh, at this point. Like some of those things have just faded out. Right, where the yeah, yeah, and like a grocery really store. But yeah, where, like I, I'm lucky enough where I live, like pretty close to some grocery stores. But for a lot of people, it requires taking a trip to Safeway or Whole Foods. You don't have the the local community grocery stores any, mm -hmm. any longer. So, you know, this is like this is how our city and our society has moved. Uh, and I'm not sure what Paris is doing, but I also I wonder if that it's also city politics and frankly not doing enough for small businesses, which is why we're in the situation we're in, where you need to, if you if you need something, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna get in the car and go to Costco. Right, right. No, whereas if, I mean, you're so onto that, because I think about during the pandemic, a neighborhood that really withstood uh, the pandemic was West Portal. I remember there was a feature about it and it was like, of all the neighborhoods, it was like because everybody could get what they needed in their neighborhood and everybody was just kind of staying in their neighborhood and everybody, you know, West Portal's pretty walkable. It's got this main strip with a bunch of stuff on it. And so they had very low um, numbers of businesses that went out and, and the neighborhood really supported it. And I think that making walking so enticing and wonderful and safe and easy and lovely and inspiring in our city go, is like a small business strategy, right? Mm -hmm. The more you're you're cultivating that, the more I mean that's just that's just so good for us in so many ways, and so um, I should add that to my list of things I think we need to talk to city leaders about is is just again what are all the ways we can nurture and support walking so that people do it more often because it's just a win win in our city, um, but yeah everybody deserves to be safe when they're doing it so and and again just go out there and there's a lot of neighborhoods with that that's not the case and if it's really hard to again like sitting in that parklet if people are flying by at 45 miles an hour you're not going to want to sit in that parklet probably or or yeah and and i know especially older folks too who feel like i go out and it just i am on edge the whole time right when you think of the busier parts of our city where the traffic's really high and uh again Crossing the street shouldn't be life or death situation, but it can be here, so, yeah. Yeah, well, so with the few minutes that we have left, and we have about, let's say, five minutes left here, uh, what else do you think is important for our listeners to know about your work at Walk SF? Yeah, I was thinking how we were, talk we're kind of talking about the two sides of the coin of walking is wonderful in our city, and it's, you know, can be those spectacular vistas and connecting with your community and all those good things. And then I've been talking a lot about the dangerous aspects of it all. But I think that's, you know, Walk San Francisco tries to do both things. And we have a lot of fun walks and um, ways to explore just really off the beaten path. And we've got this group of volunteers that we have named Walk Lab, who have this encyclopedic knowledge of San Francisco, and they're always creating walks 
for us that are full of surprises and you think you've seen it all in the city and you really haven't. And um, I think I just love that, that we can have both those things in our city and as, especially as a pedestrian organization that uh, we also get to celebrate the, the wonders of walking because we want, again, we want everybody to do it more often and we want, just want it to be safe for everybody. And I encourage folks to, there's, we've got lots of ideas for walks already on our website, on our blog that you can find. And they're in all corners of the city, not the, just the, you know, obvious walks like the JFK promenade, which I happen to walk on quite a bit <laughs> because it's a wonderful place. And now there's pianos and, and sing-alongs and it's just, again, community building. I, I feel like somehow I, I I feel like I'm in a small town in some ways here and it's thanks to, to being out in our city and walking and, and feeling part of those spaces that uh, are, are more pedestrian focused. And these are called Walk Labs? Oh, oh, that's yeah. just a group of people that, so yeah. we just have Walk San Francisco has peak to peak every fall. Yeah. We'd always do a big spring walk, but then if you're a member, you get these little walks emailed to you that are um, curated by this group of people that is just knows the city so well and they, they really come up with these fun guided walks or self-guided walks that, that get you exploring new sides of the city. So Yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody about this last night, and we were talking specifically about Chinatown. And like I was saying, I would love to learn more about the history of San Francisco's Chinatown. Oh, and yeah. there were walking tours. And I know that there, there are like numerous areas. Like if you, I mean, The mission has incredible history. Oh, yeah. And there's a great group that leads walking tours also just of different parts of the city that's called uh, SF. Um, oh, this is going to torture me. They're great. I've done ones at The Hate. I've done and they they they're they are such a resource and I'm pained to not pitch them right now because they deserve it. Uh, but I think it'd be pretty easy to Google these walking tours of San Francisco, and they're free, too. I mean, I think you can donate some money, but it's a nonprofit, and these are just super knowledgeable volunteers that um, are how I learned geeky things like about the Monastery Stones in Golden Gate Park on a walk that I did there. Um, so, yeah, there's, a gr- there's great ones in Chinatown and every, every part of the city. So check them out as soon as I think of what they are. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's see. Just with a couple of minutes that are remaining. So Walk SF, if people want to learn more information, it's walksf.com. Is that the URL? Walksf.org. No, yeah. Okay, walksf.org. Yeah. And I guess you could, what, what does membership cost? It's just 35 bucks, and then you get um, lots of perks, including you get these uh, regular free self-guided walks emailed to you uh, to get uh, exploring. And the name of the organization that's great, does great walks, is SF City Guides. Okay. So good. Yeah. Well, great. That, that's, that's great to know. Thank you so much. And as somebody who loves walking, I will be I'll probably going to become a member and well, I appreciate all the work that you do. I we know welcome that. Welcome you. <laughs> yeah, and and everyone here at KXSF appreciates the work that you've done, and we should talk about this because, you know, maybe at some point we can get together and do some sort of event to raise uh, some money for, for us and for you, and it's something that definitely means a lot for us. I really appreciate your taking yeah. the time of, for being here today. I'm sorry that you were stuck in traffic, but uh, I think you probably. This is a part of the city that, that's pretty hard to get to uh, on foot, and it's unfortunately pretty dangerous. And and um, it, and and that is, and I wish we had more time to talk about it because one th- an issue that I have is I wish that public transportation was better. Yep. And I know compared this is all part of it too. Yep. Yeah. Compared to other cities, I know it's good, but again, as a New Yorker, where you could go anywhere you want on the subway, 
I, I got issues. But well, totally. we can save that for another time. <laughs> so, uh, Martin Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. For those of you who've been listening, thank you. Tune in again next week. I will be back uh, again on Community Matters interviewing uh, Jess Farber from the Immigration Center for uh, Women and Children. And thanks to everyone who was listening to my show earlier. Hope everyone has a great rest of your week and uh, is off having a good holiday season.
drawing from his life work, absorbing the vast terrain of all recorded music. Each week, Gage Kennedy expertly curates bespoke programs which lean rock, but reveal connections between genres, eras, continents, and cultures. Plus, he always includes long sections that sound like an old motor sputtering or ominous, crackly, metallic static. It's off the hook. Fridays, 1 to 4 on KXSF LP 102.5. Hi, KXSF listeners. This is The Creep, host of Creeping Death Radio Show. One hour of heavy metal every other Thursday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on KXSF 102.5 FM, San Francisco, spanning all genres of the heavy metal spectrum. Tune in, turn it up to 10, and get to banging. And remember, if it ain't heavy, it ain't creeping death. Support for KXSF comes from Mr. Music Head, the ultimate music gift shop serving Los Angeles and the world since 1998. Mr. Music Head specializes in art that celebrates music, including paintings, photos, drawings, sculptures, prints, and concert posters. You can order online or schedule an appointment to visit their Sunset Boulevard location at mrmusichead.com. Thanks for supporting KXSF. 102.5 